0: Thank you. Can we say a huge thank you to Jacob and Abigail and the entire team? Fantastic job. Thank you for leading us in worship. We love it. Love those songs. Um, I have a friend, his name is Mark, and he was uh, preaching for the first time at a church, and he didn't know anyone there. And I know many of you, so it's been good to see you today and to meet some new faces, but he didn't know anyone. He was sitting on the front row, and um, one of the staff members got up, like Travis did, to do some announcements and welcome. And this was back in the day when there was a Sunday school report. Remember those days? And so he's up there doing that. And at the end, the staff member said, and we have a special guest today. And anybody know who the special guest is? No one says anything. They're just sitting there. Come on, come on. Who's our special guest today? Well, my friend, because he'd never been in the church, he's the guest pastor. He assumes that that he's talking about him. So he says, He said over on the front row, he goes, it's me, I'm Pastor Mark. And the staff member said, "Uh, no, Pastor Mark, actually every week we welcome Jesus as our special guest. And uh, so he said, what I should have done during the next song is just crawled out the back door and left and gone, because it was downhill from there. So uh, this has been smooth. I I appreciate so much being here. And so just so I can take maybe a half minute here to tell you who I am, so you know who's with you today. Uh, My name is Brian Richardson. My wife, Sharla. Um, we met in Springfield, Missouri. That's where we're from. At Second Baptist Church, I was the youth associate there, and we met each other and got married. and Then we moved off to Texas. I went to Southwestern Seminary and got my MDiv there, and served at Windsor Park Baptist Church, which is in Desoto, Texas. There's a Desoto also in Texas, so I served there for three years. And then God called me up to um, Kansas City to uh, Nolan Road Baptist Church. Anybody know where Nolan Road is on the other side of the city? I served there for six and a half years as a youth pastor. And then I got a call from a man named Steve Dyden. I'd never even heard of Lenexa Baptist Church. And so we've been at Lenexa now for uh, 17 years doing a youth ministry. I lead worship for our modern service. Been doing that for 16 of those years. And I've even done some foreign missions in there. Um, we are married. I have one wife but three kids. And uh, so um, I can prove they're ours because I have a picture of them, I believe. There there we are. So the one next to me is Jarrett, and uh, Jarrett is a youth pastor in uh, Houston, Texas, and so he serves down there. Uh, his twin, Jordan, is next to him. He is a uh, worship pastor in Shawnee, Oklahoma, so they're both serving today. And actually, who's not in the picture, that's not a very up-to-date picture of our families because Jordan, about five weeks ago, got married, so Charlotte finally got another girl in the family. So she's happy about that. So she, he's married to Abby, who's a nurse in Oklahoma, and then uh, yeah, next to uh, Jordan. If you recognize that guy, if you've been here at Fellowship Olathe for a while, um, that's our son Jace, and he actually led worship here when Roy was gone with Charla maybe two Thanksgivings ago, so almost two years ago. But he is a student at John Brown University. He's been there all of three weeks, and the church he attends, the worship pastor. Uh, had to quarantine because he got exposed to the virus, and so three weeks into being at J-V-U, Jace is leading worship this morning at a church. He's attended for three weeks, so it's it's been an interesting week. So Charlotte and I are empty nesters, and Charlotte serves at a. Uh, she just frowned at me. <laughs> She's she works at Olathe Northwest with um, special needs. Kids there at the school. And actually, we live right here. I think I went through three stop signs to be here today. So we live right here and have invited many of our neighbors to come and be part of your fellowship. So we're honored to be here today. And to open God's Word, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 26. And there is a lot to cover in Genesis chapter 26. So we're going to hit it really fast and really quickly. Um, Throughout the entire Bible, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Over and over throughout all Scripture, we know a lot about Abraham, right? Like Genesis 12 to 25, it's pretty much all about Abraham. And once you get to 27, uh, really through the end of the book through 50, uh, Jacob, him and his family, and you know, of course, his son Joseph that comes on really strongly at chapter 37. You know, it's really about him. So this is the only chapter that is dedicated solely to Isaac, and so. We're going to learn four things from him in this chapter today. and uh, In him, we see someone who's much like his father, Abraham, and in some ways, he's not. Uh, He's got some great qualities and some of the not-so-great qualities from his dad, but what we're ultimately going to see is someone who is faithful and trusting in the person of Isaac. So let's pray together, and then we're going to get into God's Word. Thank you, God, so much for your Word. God, I pray that um, you would speak through your Holy Spirit to us today. Father, it wouldn't be anything that I would say, Lord, but it would be your Spirit speaking to us. Lord, we thank you for your word that is so rich in truth and how your Holy Spirit draws us to yourself. So God, today, speak through this word. We pray in your name. Amen. Read with me verses 1 through 6. So now there was a famine in the land beside the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed Gerar. So first thing we want to notice here is that there is a famine in the land. Now it's easy to go past that, but it's really important in their culture. And even today, if there's a famine, um, it's not a small thing. It's very serious. It's life or death for them. It's the difference between feeding your family and your livestock and not. Um, it really could kill off your entire family. There's no neighborhood IV. There's no price chopper. There's nowhere like that. They're dependent um, on being able to, to provide for their family. So in the midst of this famine, God tells Isaac to stay put. Don't go to Egypt. Now, Egypt would have made sense, right? That's where the Nile is. There's all sorts of water down there. Go down there to Egypt is what he thought. And no, God says, I've got a plan and you need to stay put. And then he reaffirms the covenant with Isaac that he established with his dad, Abraham. The, the uh, covenant that says that his offspring will be many. He's saying, listen, your family's not going to die here in the desert of this famine. You're going to have a large family and that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, how's that going to happen? I'm sure that he, that he couldn't even think like, what could that possibly mean? But we know on this side of the cross that because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Set, set forward the line that led to Jesus, that all the nations of the world are blessed through them because of our Savior Jesus. So he's saying, "Listen, listen, I've reestablished this covenant with you. Don't go to Egypt. Stay right here. Live here." And he gives them this promise that he will be with him. Isn't that the promise that we all need? Like I can endure anything as I, as long as I know that God is with me. Yeah. And so have you ever been in a, in a situation where you want to go do something, but God says stay put? When we were at Nolan Road, we got a call from a church in O'Fallon, Missouri, which is just west of St. Louis. And um, one of my mentors, the, the man who had really taught me what it means to be a worshiper and be an authentic biblical worshiper of God, he was uh, doing youth and music at the church and they were going to move him to just doing music. And so they contacted me and said, would you pray about coming over and being our youth pastor? Well, in addition, they were also calling an associate pastor at that time. And the man who had led me to the Lord and was my youth minister in Springfield was interviewing for that position. So Sean and I were like, this is unbelievable. Like our very good friends, my mentors move into St. Louis. And when we were over there, don't judge me on this, but I'm a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. I just lost half of you. Um, hey, the Royals are my American League team. That's what I always say. But when I was interviewing, they said, hey, you're a Cardinals fan. I said, yeah. And they said, well, the Cardinals have a program for ministers here. They will give you a card. And with that card, you can walk up to the counter in any game that's not sold out. You just put it down and they will give you two tickets. And I was like, Lord, I hear you calling me to St. Louis, this is it, you know. Um, you know, Charlotte and I came back home. I mean, it, it was all that, you know, the bigger church, all that, um, And we just prayed about it, and you know, God said, don't go. That verse in Acts where it says that Paul wanted to go to Macedonia, but the spirit of Jesus wouldn't let him do it. That was the verse that God gave us. So we prayed about it. We even tried to talk God into it, but he said, no, you need to stay where you're at. And you know what? We actually are good friends with the guy that took that position, and God used him in incredible ways, but that wasn't our path. Our path was to stay here in Kansas City and end up at Lenexa Baptist Church. And we've seen God do incredible things, and that was our path. We weren't supposed to go. We were supposed to stay. So maybe today God's saying, you're in a situation, and you want to go forward, but God is saying, stay here. And so what we see here, and that we can learn today, is Isaac is obedient. He's obedient to trust God. So at the start today, let's remember, the same God who's been faithful to you in the past has your future. And if he's saying stay, like he said, to Isaac, stay right here, we need to be obedient. So we learn and we see in Isaac this person that is so obedient. Our role is to trust and be obedient also. Romans 8 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Or Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Isaac stays in Gerar. Let's read and see what happens in verse 7. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. Can I just pause for just a moment and say, I don't know what's going on in this time in history that you're, you're about to be murdered if your wife is attractive. It seems like a They have arranged marriages during those days, right? So I would be saying to mom and dad, don't find me anyone attractive. Just find me someone and uh, married men in the room, we'd all be in trouble, right? Amen. I'm trying to help you guys out. Amen. I don't know what's going on here, but that's what's going on. So let's keep on going. Verse 8, when Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is your sister? And Isaac answered, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Typical man, blaming the wife. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of them might have slept with your wife and you have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So what ha- happens here is that Isaac repeats the failure of his father. He moves to Gerar. He does this entire thing that, I, that Abraham did in Genesis chapter 20, where remember Abraham told Abimelech. Again, Abimelech here is not a proper name it's the name of the current ruler. So it could have been like his grandson. So Abimelech's not a person, it's a title. And he said, he does, Isaac does the same thing that his father Abraham did. Now you would think that Isaac would have learned a lesson from his dad, right? It doesn't make any sense that God would just promise him such incredible great things, and then he would turn around and put forth this lie. This is the one great, one of the really great things I love about scripture is that Some of the heroes of the faith had great failures. Isn't that us? Don't you feel like you take a a leap forward spiritually, then you take 10 steps back? You know, I'm trusting God, I'm walking with him, then I'm unfaithful. And listen, what we can see here and what we can take away from this part of of the chapter is this, that we have an impact on others. We have an influence on those around us. We have to conclude that Isaac is following in the steps of his dad. Um, have you ever thought, men and women, either men with your dads or moms um, with your mother, um, have you ever thought, man, I'm doing something and it's exactly what my dad would do? It's exactly what my mom would do and who knew? Listen, we, uh, as a youth minister, I can tell you over the course of 30 years that I can, well, every sociologist would tell you this, the, the most influential person in a person's life is who? Their parents. We want to say it's culture or technology or peer pressure or whatever, and those things weigh in. But by far, the most influential things that set our lives on a certain path are our parents. And what we see here is that even though certainly Isaac learned some incredible things that were great from Abraham, in this situation, he learned something that he should not have done. There's two things we can gain from this. Number one, ask yourself, what kind of influence are you having in your life as a parent grandparent, aunt, uncle, sibling, friend, we all have influence on others. Abraham definitely, I, I tell you, I don't know if Isaac would have ever have thought of doing that if it wasn't for Abraham that he had done it before. And the second thing to, to learn is this, that we've got to learn from others. I mean, surely Isaac should have known that lying to a local ruler was not going to go well with him. So just as with his father Abraham, Isaac is called out by Abimelech, this pagan king. Someone who's not familiar with God, not walking with God, calls out the man of God and says, you should not have done that. That's not something that Isaac should have done. But what is amazing is that God is going to get done what he wants to get done. And so he works through Abimelech, and instead of Abimelech being really you know, upset and like, you're out of here, he, he actually gives him a complete pass for deceiving him, and not only gives him a free pass, but gives him safety to continue to live there. Again, God had said, I want you to stay put, and God's making sure that he stays put. And not just that he stays put, but he stays put with safety. So he begins to live there with his wife and his family in Gerar. When I want to think about that. When I think about how Isaac really blew it, and yet God still worked, aren't you so thankful and glad today? that God works through our failures. Even when we blow it, he has a bigger story that he's telling. And he can redeem situations where we have really come up short. And that's what he does in this situation. So at this point, God has reminded Isaac of the promise he made to his family and he's allowed him to find favor with the Philistines and he's at peace and it goes well for him. Read with me in verse 12. It says, Isaac planted crops in the land Remember, there's a famine going on here. and the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. What a turn of events. He goes from being a liar and a deceiver that God's blessing him. He's staying in the land, and now the people of the land are envious of him because of what God has done in his life. So God blesses Isaac, but with those blessings came conflict. And this is a, a lot of this is familiar, what we've read so far, what we've covered, and we really have seen these same things in Abraham's life, but this part is new. So read with me in verse 15. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and he said, the water is ours. So he named the well Esek. The word Esek means dispute and because they were disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna, which means opposition. And he moved on from there and dug another well and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth saying, and that means room. So now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So there's this entire episode, this entire thing going on with these wells. So what's going on with these wells? We can't overemphasize the importance of a well in ancient times. It took a great amount of manpower and effort to dig a functioning well. And they were crucial to life. Your family and your livestock couldn't live without water. wells were also a way of claiming land. We see throughout the Bible that significant events happen at the well. Remember Jesus and the woman at the well, right? In fact, in the Bible, many times men meet their wives or find their wives at a well. If you've ever been on a mission trip to a third world country and seen how the well works, it really is the center of the community. People come there in the morning, they're gathering around, and there's a social element to it. They're talking with each other So the wells, they're an important part of the culture. It's not like us here where we just walk over and turn the knob. It's an event. It's a place to go. So here we see that the Philistines are so threatened by Isaac that they decide to cut off his source of water. And think about this. Filling in a well cannot be easy, right? Can you see the Philistines plotting? Like they're meeting days and days. They've gathered a committee together and they're plotting How are we going to do this? We can't stand for this eyes of God to keep flourishing like this. we got to get rid of him. What are we going to do? Can you see them in the middle of the night? They're going. They're getting earth. They're pushing it in. they're, They're filling in the well. Listen, this is a very extreme thing to do to someone. It's a malicious thing to do. You would only do that to your enemy. Do you feel like the enemy is ever attacking you? Do you think these last few months, there have been times when you thought, oh, the enemy is out to get me? Do you see the enemy plotting to come and cut off the well of blessing that God has given you? Believe me, all of us, we are in a spiritual battle. I've told students for 30 years that you know we are made up of mind, body, and spirit. And the truth is, mind and body, they're pretty easy to work on. That's why we go to school and why there's a gym behind us, right? But I'm telling you, the spirit is a lot harder to work on and that's where the enemy is going to attack us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He is a schemer. He is a liar. And he has a target on us. Do you think that the enemy is just going to let us soak up the blessings of God without putting a target on us? Absolutely not. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. Listen to this verse. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Believe me, the enemy is not looking at fellowship of Life and going, mm, should we just leave them alone? No, no, no. He is a roaring lion. And the Bible tells us he is out to devour you, your church, and everything that he can. Have you watched the National Geographic specials? Right? The lion is waiting for that moment for weakness, for his prey, so he can attack and tear us apart. And that is our enemy. Jesus told us, right, that the thief comes to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're watching the evening news or looking at the world around you, you know that that is absolutely true. Isaac has this conflict that comes his way, and it's not of his doing. He has a rightful claim to dig those wells and provide for his family because they are connected to him because of Abraham. But the enemy, the Philistines, they won't stand for it. And Isaac knows it. He knows this well that he actually names it. He names it. This is a dispute. This is opposition. He names those wells. He gives them names for what it is. Are you there? Have you given how the enemy is attacking you a name? Can you name how the enemy is trying to defeat you? Because Isaac knew it. So what does he do? And this is what's amazing. I can't tell you this isn't even the American way to respond to something. But his response is one of peace. He decides to give those wells to his enemies. When Abraham encountered the exact same conflict in Genesis 21, if you remember from a few weeks ago, He went toe-to-toe with the Philistines. Actually, it says that Abraham went and he complained to Abimelech. He was like, I'm going to take care of this. And there are times when we need to take a stand as believers. But in this passage, what we learn and what we see is there are times when we need to do what? We need to be the peacemaker. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Paul tells us in Romans 12, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Isn't that a great verse? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that's what Isaac does. Can you imagine the amount of restraint it took, the really character it took for Isaac to do what he did? Most of us would be so worried and scared of the situation. What am I going to do with my family now? But his response is one of peace. He could have said, you know, I wanted to go to Egypt in the first place. I shouldn't even be here. Here I am. Everything was going great. And then my enemy comes and just fills in the well and cuts off my source of life. He could have just said, I'm out of here. What's that old country saying? Um, a dog and lick a skunk, but it's not worth it, right? He could have said, man, I, I'm going to go. It may not be worth it, but I'm going to fight this. But he doesn't. So the question today for us is, can you re- rely on God to give you strength? To make peace. And don't miss this. Peace didn't mean that he did nothing. Don't miss this. When he encounters conflict, he does what he knows to do. He does what he knows to do to provide for his family. And what does he do? He has the conflict with the wells, but he keeps digging. Why? Because he knew that if God had provided in the past, he would provide again. See, he had peace in God because he knew how faithful God had been to him. Now let me ask you, anybody in the room, would you raise your hand and say, God has been faithful to me in the past? Anybody? All around the room. If we went up and down these aisles and we began to share, we'd be here all week telling of times when God had answered our prayer times when God opened doors that we thought were completely closed. We would share time and time again how he really, in the the valley of the shadow of death, with a family that was mourning, that he was faithful, that he gave you a peace beyond understanding. Amen? So today, I hope you hear this loud and clear from the Lord, that the enemy might come to fill in your wells, but you've got to keep digging because your next blessing is right around the corner. If the enemy comes to fill in those wells, you don't give up, you make peace, and you keep digging, you keep following, you keep serving, you dig deeper in his word, you look to serve greater than you ever have. I love the story of Ira and Ann Yates. In the early 1900s, they were living in West Texas, and it was hard. They're living on this land, and they they were on government subsidies. It was difficult. They didn't know if they'd make their next mortgage payments. And Ira thought, you know, just what if? And some people uh, approached him and said, you know, can we look and see if there might be oil? He said, yeah, let's do that. See if I might have oil on my land. And what he did not know is that even though the days had been hard, the ride underneath his feet was one of the largest oil reservoirs ever found. In 1929, on his land, they got 41 million barrels of oil. There was a huge blessing right underneath his feet, and he owned every bit of it, but he didn't know it because he hadn't dug. And I want you to know, God has so much for us. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to live at peace, that doesn't mean you do nothing. It means that you push forward. What can you do? Do what you know to do to serve God that's been faithful to you. You be faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. That's the way it works. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, um, that... We have everything that we need for life and godliness. Isn't that a great verse? Everything that we need for life and godliness, God has provided every single believer. So that's why we've got to dig deep. Don't be defeated. Don't be discouraged. Keep your witness. You know, I think Isaac might've thought, I've blown it in the past with these people by lying to them. So here's my chance to show my character and my faith. Remember how he was a liar earlier? He's thinking, you know, here's my chance they're going to see that that's not who I am. This is who I am. I'll be gracious gracious to them. I'll give them this will, even though I have a rightful claim to it. I'll just keep digging and trust God will be faithful to me again. He's done it before. He'll do it again, and they'll see the goodness of God through me. Isaac chooses to live at peace. So maybe today you're feeling attacked. I don't know your situation. Only God does. But maybe just like Isaac, it's because you're exactly where God wants you to be. So keep digging. You know, that third well that he found is such a sweet story because God gives him room there. He gives him room to breathe and to provide and to see his blessing. It's an amazing thing that what happens next. Let's finish this up. Read with me in verse 23. From there he went up to Beersheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord, God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So again, he's reestablishing, he's reiterating that he has this covenant with Isaac's family. But did you notice there's one difference? There's one difference. It's verse 24. He says this, do not be afraid. Over 600 times in God's word, God commands us to not fear or to not be afraid. Why does he do that? Why why is God's word so rich with that? And it's reiterated over and over and over again. Don't fear. Here's why. Because fear is powerful, isn't it? Have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Of course we all have. But he's saying here, listen, don't fear. Don't do that. Press forward and let's see what happens. The last point today is that Isaac and Abimelech, of all things, they make peace. Read it with me in verse 25. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. For he pitched his tent And there his servants dug a well, more wells. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with some Old Testament type names. Ahuza, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked him, why have you come here since you were hostile to me and sent me away? And they answered, here it is. We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So he said, There ought to be sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did not harm you, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. <laughs> but now you are blessed by the Lord. And Isaac made them a feast for them, and they ate and drank. And early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. And that day, more wells. Isaac's servants came and told them about the well they had dug. They said, we found water, and he called it Sheba. And to this day, the name of the town has been Beersheba. So what we see here, and what we all need to always remember, is that others are watching. When Abimelech saw how Isaac had prospered, even when they had done all they could to push him away, even when they had um, um, treated him so poorly, Abimelech could not help but see that God was with him. So others are watching. When maybe you're mistreated on the job and you don't lash out, people are watching. Christian teenager, your friends are watching how you treat others. If you treat them with respect instead of bullying them, if you use your social media to build others up, others are watching. All of us, our neighbors, they're watching us. Verse 32, God provides again, and Isaac calls this well, Uh, Sheba. And that's a a look back to Genesis 21, where Abraham gave seven lambs. The word Sheba means oath or seven. And it's a a look back at how Abimelech gave these seven lambs for that well. So God provides, and Isaac is a great example here of faith. We have opportunities, don't we, everywhere we go to be a witness for Jesus, because others are watching us and those Philistines were watching Isaac and how he handled this entire situation. So even when you go to, want to go to Egypt, but God says, stay in Gerar, people are watching. Even when the enemy comes and fills in our wells and tries to defeat us, we get to show the difference that faith makes to us. We get to show the grace of God in our lives. We get to show that, you know, it's not us, but it's the fact that the sinless Son of God has come into our lives. You know, every single believer has the Holy Spirit living in and through them. And if we will listen to his voice, if we will be obedient, others can gonna be like, what is different about him? What's different about her? And it's easy for us to say, you know, it's it's not us. It's Jesus through us. With our lives, we get to show how good God is. And really that we're not living for this world anyways, but we're living for the kingdom of God. You know, so many, this is, these have been tough days. Let's be honest. These are tough, tough days. This pandemic has been difficult. Our nation is in a really odd time or an odd place. We as believers, other people are watching how we respond to these things. And if we are living for the kingdom of God, we're living for a different kingdom anyways. We're living for a different plane, right? A different existence. And when we live like that, people will notice there's something different about us, and that's exactly what happened here with Isaac. So for you today, do you ever see Jesus in you? Do you know him today? Because I'm telling you, none of this is possible outside of an authentic walk with God that begins when you trust Jesus as your Savior today. I want to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes. I don't know today as we get ready to close There's really four thoughts. The thoughts where we see that Isaac is obedient. He's obedient to God to stay put even though he probably wasn't his plan. Maybe the Lord's saying to you today, stay in his will. Maybe it's the thought of influence. Knowing that Abraham had influence over Isaac in great ways and ways that he probably shouldn't have the thought of leaving a godly legacy. Maybe the thought today is that even if you feel like the enemy is coming, he's you filling your wells, he's trying to snuff out everything that God's doing in your life, don't give up. Keep digging. It's a spiritual battle. Don't let the enemy defeat you. We sang it earlier that we we have a living hope in Jesus. We're not defeated. We serve a conquering king, so keep digging, keep following. Maybe the thought today is just one of, what's your witness? Abimelech, he knew that God was with Isaac, and it made all the difference. Today, maybe you're in this room, and you're saying, you know what? I've fought a lot of these battles on my own. I want to live at peace with God. I want to be a peacemaker. We're going to have a time of response. Travis is going to be here at the front. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, it's our prayer that you would walk out these doors without coming to a place where you realize that what we looked at earlier in the service is so true, that the sinless summon of God became sin on your behalf. He took your sin upon himself. He paid the price for your sin. If you'll trust him with your life, if you'll seek his forgiveness, he will come in, he will make all things new. And today, I don't know why you'd walk out of these doors without making... Certain, knowing for certain that you know Jesus personally as your Savior. Travis is going to be here in the front. Don't be embarrassed. God, God calls people publicly. If he's calling you, maybe you want to just come pray. Maybe you want to pray in your seat. I don't know what God has maybe said to you today. Travis is going to be here in the front to meet you. We're going to stand here in a moment and sing. And if he's calling you today, come and respond. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we, may we be doers of the word. And not here is only today that others might see the great difference that you make in our lives the way that Isaac had inner strength and character to follow you and God that we might be those kind of people so today as we respond we respond to you we pray this in your name amen let's stand together Jacob and Abigail are going to lead us in a song as we respond today Travis is here to meet you in the front